Welcome to Beat the Closing Number with Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nuara talking everything MLB betting. Presented by TheLines.com. The second ever edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. Episode number two with myself and Mo Nuara. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow Mo and myself as our Twitter handles are up on the screen. And we'll introduce our guest just a moment. But before we get started, remember to give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring that bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including Major League Baseball, which is the focus of the Beat the Closing Number podcast. And the Lions.com is giving away another $25 Amazon gift card in our daily MLB Pick'em contest. For more details, head over to play.thelines.com. And as always, join the Lions Discord betting channel to get notifications whenever we place MLB bets, whether it's day-by-day bets, like Mo does a fantastic job of, or futures, like Mo also does, and I participate in as well. But without further ado, time to introduce Chris Bennett. You can follow him on Twitter, at BetChris. He's the Director of Risk Management at Circa Sports, with a primary focus on baseball. What's going on today, Chris? Hi guys, how's it going? Good to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Last time you were on with the Lions podcast, it was with Nicole and I, and we were talking NFL. And as soon as I heard the excitement in your voice when we touched on World Series futures a bit, I knew I had to have you back on because obviously baseball is your specialty, like we were touching on off podcast. So I'm sure this is a very exciting time of the year for you or stressful, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, This is a very enjoyable time of year for me. I do a lot of work during spring training. We book those games and I try to pretty much book all of them. I have a process for doing that. It's a lot of work. You know, it's every single day for about five weeks. But once you get to the regular season, like we're in now, it's a little bit more enjoyable, uh, a little less stressful because there's just more interest from the public now that the games really count. And I like this time of year because I don't have to deal with all of like the NFL season going on, Um, you know, try to figure out like, okay, how good is every team? Like who are these young players that are going to emerge? Just being out here in Vegas and the weather's getting nicer and I can come home in the afternoon, put some baseball on TV. It might be a nice day out, have the the balcony door open and uh, just really enjoy like what I get to do for a living and my favorite sport baseball. And I mentioned your title a little bit ago, director of risk management. So for betters that are unaware of what that means, and you were going into the process behind what Circa does futures wise in general, but how you operate the futures market for MLB specifically at Circa sports. So if you want to delve into what your role pertains to, and also how you handle the Major League Baseball futures market and game-by-game markets, for that matter. So my role at Circus Sports is not, by definition, sport-specific. I choose to be a specialist and to be our primary manager of markets when it comes to Major League Baseball and the NFL. Uh, MLB is my favorite sport. Like That's the one that I want the most. And love to get as much help as I can from other members of the team uh, in either of those sports and whatever markets we can and want to offer. Uh, But 
Like I'm going to spend time on baseball, like regardless of it being like a requirement for my job. Um, I'm looking for other members of the team to be specialists in other sports that I don't have as much interest in. And I just don't have the time for like when you're have got a sports book operation, um, you can't do it with just one or two people. You need a team and you need specialists. And like, this is the week of the masters right now, biggest uh, golf tournament of the whole year. I'm not really doing anything for the masters, but I still like golf. I love that, you know, we have these events and this week in particular that gets so much interest from people. And we've got guys in our team that are really good with golf, way better than I am or probably ever could be if I dedicated all of my time to it. So I'm trying to make sure that we've got all of our sports covered as well as we possibly can, you know, putting people in places to succeed, you know, giving them a schedule that works so that, you know, they can do a great job, that we can serve our customers to the best of our ability and have other members of the team, you know, cover all the other bases. So really just overseeing every aspect of risk management, you know, putting people in the right places. And then you do want people to be able to specialize in the sports that they're most enthusiastic about. So, you know, I've, I've got to do a few different things, wear a couple different hats at all times. Um, so, you know, while I'm, you know, looking at every single baseball game every day and, and I've got a, an opinion on every side in total, I'm also doing all these you know, generalist things that come along with being the direct director of risk. Yeah. And within that, you mentioned obviously the masters and Jeff Davis does a fantastic job uh, for you guys. And in general, when I text with him and I know he used to do more media stuff, tends to stay away from that as of now. And rightfully so he's got a lot on his plate. And you think about the other bookmakers that you guys have, obviously Matt Metcalf, college basketball and college football. So Maybe people unfamiliar with the Circa sports process of behind the counter because you guys differentiate yourself very well from most of the legal sports books across the U.S. when it comes to not only futures, but game by game odds. So obviously you handle putting people in the right place to succeed for individual sports, but just the way you go about liability and the way you go about taking bigger bets, because there's a lot of cause for concern in the sports betting industry, especially gambling Twitter, quote unquote, with limits across various legal sports books. So if you don't mind touching on that, too. Yeah, the way we try to differentiate ourselves, I would say, are with like some of the highest limits in the industry, especially for like the, the American sports that are you know really popular here. Like we do most of our business in the state of Nevada. Uh, we want to have, you know, really fair pricing on all of the markets that we offer. If we're not, you know, the best in the market, uh, usually pretty darn close to it, you know, a way that you can see that directly is to look at, you know, our prices on money lines in on games in the major sports. You know, just look at the MLB and NHL money lines and compare it to what other sports books are offering, you know, where it's just a two-sided market and it should be pretty obvious oh circa's got if not the best close to the best pricing uh in these areas where it's a little more difficult to see directly are in the multi-way markets like uh golfer to win a tournament 
we're probably going to have the best overall pricing on the whole list of golfers, even if we might not have the best odds on that one specific golfer you're looking for in a given tournament. Uh, and then we don't want to be cutting people back to like obscenely low limits, um, which is something that a lot of our competitors do. Like we want to give everyone what we consider a fair bet on a given market. And if we feel we can't do that because there's just no way for us to, you know, make any revenue off of that or to have it like have some knock on effect where it helps some other market, then we just don't want to offer it. Like we don't want to put something up and say, oh, you know, you can only have you know $25 on this. That's that's not good enough as far as we're concerned. It's not fair. Um, so fairness, uh, quality pricing in every market, customer service. You know, we've got the Circa Resort uh, and Casino here in downtown Las Vegas. And it's a great destination for people who like that traditional sportsbook viewing experience. So we want to have people come down and just love that experience. And also the, the stadium swim, our pool at Circa, very popular uh, and, you know, putting sports on a big screen and, and seeing the odds right alongside it isn't the, the pool experience that you get anywhere else. Um, and like, I take a lot of personal pride in the markets that I'm the primary manager for, like our, you know, implied hold percentage on team to win the world series. Like I want to say I'm offering very fair odds on that market and I, and I want people to bet it. And we're never, we're probably never going to win or not anytime soon on having the largest menu, because if we just, you know, pumped out a million different markets in every single sport, like you couldn't offer a fair bet on all that stuff, you know, third division Bolivian soccer, uh, the lowest quality uh, tennis tournament happening, <laughs> happening in Bangladesh. Like there's no way you can expect to like have anything good come of that as the operator, uh, at least when, you know, your customers are in three of the United States as it is right now. So we're not going to win there and we can't always have all of these markets up continuously. Like it's really tough to leave up odds to win the Super Bowl on a Sunday when you have eight games going on simultaneously. Like the things that are happening on the field of play, it's just too impactful to the odds and, and you can't keep up with it as a bookmaker. So we do have to take some things off the board. But when something's on our board open for betting, like our promise is that we're going to take a fair bet on that market. So speaking of the markets you do uh, manage, diving into the MLB stuff, first thing we wanted to check in on was what are some of the liability you guys have taken for World Series futures um, over at Circa? So fairly early on, before any of the big free agents had signed, we took some money on the Yankees at like 12 to 1 to win the World Series. And so they've been significantly lower than that for a few months now. And they did end up re-signing Aaron Judge and they signed Carlos Rodon. So, you know, the person that bet that might've had, you know, a good feeling that the Yankees were willing to spend in free agency. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's a good number right now. Nothing too extreme though, because uh, not surprising that the Yankees would do that and that they would have a high win total again this year. We've also taken some money on 
The Astros, obviously, you know, defending World Series champions. That's not a surprise. Uh, we've taken some money on the Mariners. That's a team that's had a lot of buzz, a lot of optimism surrounding them coming into the beginning of the season. Um, another team, uh, the Padres. Obviously, they have best just been going all out for the last couple of years now, trying to put together an all-star team, basically. And I think people are believing for this year that there's just so much talent there that they ought to be a contender. And then another thing that usually happens on a regular basis is, you know, I look at the, the worst teams in MLB and I put out pretty long odds on them. Uh, right now we've got the Nationals at 3,000 to one to win the World Series. Got teams like the Rockies and the A's that are around a thousand to one or seven hundred and fifty to one, and it doesn't take a lot of money to get some liability when teams are in that odds range. So, like right now, our worst result I think would be the A's winning the World Series. <laughs> but I'm not currently very concerned about the A's winning the World Series either. So that's kind of what the distribution looks right now. People betting on a handful of the favorites. And of course, the long shots, because, you know, I, I put such a big number out there on those teams that I kind of dare them to make me sweat when it comes to, to winning it. Yeah, it sounds like it's interesting because it sounds like not a lot of the teams in the middle get get the most love. I think I was looking near the top of the board a little bit, but not quite at the top when I, I fired the Jays, um, not World Series, but AL. Give us your like real quick opinion on if I was on to something with, I was a little bit lower on the Yankees and the Astros. So it doesn't look good for the Jays so far, but obviously very early. The starting pitching hasn't been the greatest. Rough start for the Blue Jays. Uh, Chris <laughs> Bassett and Jose Barrios did not have good first starts. If I'm a Blue Jays backer, I might be concerned about Chris Bassett. I don't know how much like you can expect out of Jose Barrios at this point. He just might not be good. And if he's not, it's going to be to the Blue Jays' benefit if they yank him from the rotation because they were very optimistic and positive on the adjustments that you say Kikuchi had made from last year's kind of disaster. And then he did really well in the spring, and I think he had a pretty good start yesterday against the Royals. Uh, so he could end up being like the number three or number four option for them, but you look at Manoa and Gossman leading the rotation. Those are guys that you'd want to go into the playoffs with as your one-two. Uh, you know, the lineup looks absolutely dynamite on paper. The bullpen, I think, can be good. And then they've got a couple of wild cards as well with Nate Pearson, who was a big prospect a few years ago before getting injured. And then they've got another guy, and I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name, Ricky Tiedemann, Tiedemann something like that. My apologies to him. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. His but family listens to the podcast. I'm sure they do. I feel terrible. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a big prospect, and there's a lot of buzz around him as well. So, you know, if they're in contention middle of the season, you got to think there's going to be a plan to utilize him later in the year and potentially in the playoffs. So not a fast start for the Blue Jays, but I think they have a lot of potential, and they've been a team that I didn't want to float too high of a number because I do believe in them. And uh, like, I want to win to some of the teams on the markets that I'm managing. And I told you about which ones we have liability to. Uh, the Astros, I think, have maybe become or are a little bit 
overrated. This thought that like it's the Astros, you know, they're super smart with the analytics and like they'll just bring up uh, another guy from AAA and they'll be fine. You know, they lost Verlander and there's no direct replacement for him from last year. I think that's kind of a big deal. Uh, they, they signed Jose Abreu, it, which, you know, could end up being very valuable for the offense. But the bottom of their lineup, I don't think it's anything special. And now with Altuve getting hurt, you look at like Mauricio Dubon, Chaz McCormick. Uh, they got some Corey Jelks guy out there. <laughs> Martin Maldonado, great defensive catcher, not a good hitter. Um they're not invincible by any stretch. So uh, given where the market is pricing them right now, I, I don't think there's any value in the Astros. And you priced Houston at the beginning of the season. I think when you initially, when they were posted on Twitter, at least like the odd screen for World Series futures was up on Twitter. Astros at plus 700, still the same price as of now. And Houston off to a three and four start, I believe. But the rest of the market, to your point, across legal sports books that are more nationwide, I guess, per se, or across more states, still four to one, as low as four to one to win the World Series. So I agree with you, and I think Mo does too. And to most credit, he bet Astros win total under at 95 and a half. So Mo is. Looking happy right now, even though his bets on this Wednesday card have not gone so well to his liking so far. Hopefully, he's a couple more later tonight. Short slate, though, on Wednesday and another afternoon slate coming up on Thursday when this podcast is released. But we'll get back to the futures market because I'm curious whether it's for yourself as a better or as someone that handles the MLB betting market for Circus Sports when you think about all of the new rules that come into place for Major League Baseball, obviously the pitch clock being most notable or one of the more notable changes to baseball this season. What are some of the market adjustments, if any, you've had to make as the lead trader, bookmaker for, for Circa or as a better that you've had to adjust to? So we've had a few significant rule changes for this MLB season and it's something that, yeah, I want to like figure it out as soon as possible. Like what is going to be different about this baseball season compared to last season to the last few seasons. I should point out that the thing that I'm most concerned about and the reason I'm the most concerned about is because it's not communicated publicly is what is MLB doing to the actual constitution of the baseball? Because they messed with the ball the last few years without telling people like they deadened the ball last year and it became obvious after a few weeks that this is not the same baseball. You got guys squaring it up and it's just a fly out when in the past it was a home run and you know, games were going under at a crazy rate early last year as a result, you know, yes, it's uh, the time of year when it's cold and it's not good hitting conditions, but it was not just that it was what they did to the baseball. And that's what I'm also concerned about this year. Are they going to do things now that we have a pitch clock and the games are going to be much shorter than they have been? Well, how about we make them a little higher scoring? How about we not use as dead of a ball as we used last year? Or we, you know, we put some more juice in it or whatever term you want to use 
so that it flies farther and you know has a higher exit velocity or, or whatever to increase the likelihood of a base hit. Uh, and we've had some really high scoring games so far. In fact, just two days ago, uh, we offer this market every day of the season called the Grand Salami, where you can bet on um, whether the home teams or away teams will have more runs and also the total number of runs scored. And two days ago, we had 180 runs scored across MLB, which is an insane total. Uh, it gets me wondering, okay, was this just an anomaly of bad pitching and great hitting, or do we have a different baseball? And there's been a couple of games so far where veteran pitchers with this pitch clock basically said they got fatigued, like in the fifth or sixth inning. Carlos Carrasco for the Mets, Kenta Maeda for the Twins. So that would tell you that the pitch clock is good for the hitters, at least right now, until the pitchers maybe adjust and figure out you know, how to manage with it better. Um, the sizes of the bases increasing and the rules on number of disengagements from the mound in a given at bat, that's good for run scoring. Um, you know, if you're at first base and you're thinking about stealing second, you know the pitcher has a limited number of opportunities to throw back to the bag at first and to keep you there. And also, I mean, with the bags being bigger, it's, it's technically closer than it was before. And it's easier for you to stay on the bag if you're sliding into it. We've seen all these cases since we've had an instant replay where a guy, is, he's safe basically. He touches the base before he's tagged, but then he slides off of it and no part of his body is on the bag for a fraction of a second, but the fielder is like still holding his glove against some part of his body. And then they go to review and you're out. Like there should be less of that with a bigger base. So that combination of factors, I think right now is helping scoring overall. And I think there's been a handful of games a few days early on here where the market hasn't quite realized that and totals have been too low in quite a few games, but it's catching on quickly. I mean, just from what I could see today, um, the, the market's going to have it figured out pretty quickly with one caveat. If baseball is changing what the ball's made of and, and putting in different batches on like a daily basis or from series to series, then you never really know for sure. It's tough. Yeah, we've definitely heard that uh, from some other people as well when it comes to adjusting for like the new rules and run scoring is, is basically just the baseball is going to have a bigger effect than any of that. So it's, it's really tough. Um, I guess, so just following up on what you were saying about the rules, would you say you came into the season making an adjustment right away or like, like did you set the totals some somewhat higher than you would have if this exact same pitchers and players were playing in like a previous season or did you just set it like normal and wait to see like how the market responded? So I think the impact of all the rule changes, like over the course of an entire season of games is significant. But for any one individual game, I think it's, it's so small. It's almost negligible. Like I can't, I can't see it like looking at the market or in making a number. Like what am I going to do? 
say if this was last year, the total is eight and a half over minus 120. Um, but now with all these rule changes, I'm going to make it nine under minus 120. Like it's just, it's too small of a margin for me to really, you know, have a, a strong opinion or really to do anything differently. Like I'm going to hang a number and if it's not quite right, like we're going to get a bet, we're going to move the number and we're going to figure it out real quickly. So I wouldn't say there's been any real measurable like difference in what I've done as far as like making a number and, and putting up a number and, and booking the games to this point. And just comparing that a little bit or tangentially, I was talking with Matt Metcalf a few weeks ago during the NCAA tournament. And what you said right there stood out because obviously this goes back to circus sports and just your process overall. You want to literally evaluate, even though it might cost you a bet here or there just in terms of liability. Hypothetically, you guys take more or bigger bets than other books in a sense. But Metcalf was telling me going back to, I think it was a first round game with Memphis and FAU. And the line, I think, opened at around Memphis minus three, got that down to two and a half. And he was seeing no action on Memphis at all. And at that point, it was still earlier in the week. So he, it wasn't like later in the week where he necessarily would have moved it down just because of the liability in a sense. But he mentioned that he just moved it to two just to see what would happen in the market if they would get any Memphis money. And even after that point, no one came in on the Tigers. So I just found that interesting in, in terms of what you were discussing with how you evaluate totals as a guy that's handling this on a day-to-day -day basis and, and making adjustments and waiting to see what happens rather than doing it a month in advance, kind of to Mo's point. And it was a good question, I thought, too. Yeah, like as a bookmaker, especially, you know, when you're taking a fair bet and you're willing to take a bigger bet the closer you get to a game, like you want to use that freedom that you have to move your numbers around when it's appropriate. And I think a lot of people that have worked in this industry have like this mindset of, you know, if it's a point spread, you take a bet, you move it a half point. If it's like, you're, if you're moving the price because it's, you know, a money line or, or whatever the market is where you're not moving the number, you're just moving the price that, well, you got a 20 cent split minus 110 on both sides. And you take a bet and you go minus 125 plus 105 so that, you know, if they bet minus 110 on one side and plus 105 on the other side, like, you know, that's a winning combination for you as the bookmaker. But in practice, you can't always do that or that's not always like the best way to do it. And you have to kind of know how much uncertainty there is in a given market. And you got to move the numbers around sometimes more than you really want to just to figure out like, okay, where is the, where's the top or the bottom of this number? Like, I, I don't know for sure. Like I need people to bet it to tell me where that is. Uh, and that's a skill that I think Matt has, you know, right up there with, with anybody else I've ever worked with in terms of, being willing to go to those places that might be uncomfortable, but it's the right thing to do because again, our job is to manage risk here. It's not to just take bets on one side. And if nobody bets the other side, you just throw up your arms and say, well, I, I moved it right every time. Well, <laughs> no, you probably didn't. 
uh, if you didn't ever get a bet on the other side. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the, the fun, challenging and constant aspects of this job. Yeah, I just, I find it so fascinating. I know it was baseball aside for the people that are tuned in for those kind of topics and comparing it to college basketball, but just in the sense that, I mean, you know this and, and Mo obviously hears it as well, just being on Twitter or actually, I, I guess you're not as active on Twitter. Don't tweet as much as your coworker, Jeffrey Benson, who likes to throw It's an understatement. Yeah, a little bit here and there every month. I'm just kidding. But again, I find it so intriguing as a discussion point because you have the dumb people out there, the dumb tweeters, and sorry for any of those people that listen to the podcast, but those who say Vegas knows, right? And this is a fishy Vegas line. Well, no, you guys who are creating this line or bookmakers that are creating the line, traders that are creating, helping create the line are learning as well, learning on a day-to-day basis in a sense, right? Then just, oh, you know exactly what you're doing, like to most point, to most question about the market and, and how you handle it in a season like this where there have been a lot of changes. So fun discussion there, but want to get back to the futures market for Major League Baseball. And we were hitting on this off air before we started the podcast that you're from Minnesota, grew up a Twins fan, and Mo has got me hooked back on the Twins. I bet Minnesota to win the division last year. We lost after the Twins had a good first half, crumbled down the stretch for the most part because of the Buxton injury. And hopefully, fingers crossed, he stays healthy. But after editing his article on why Minnesota should at least, theoretically, because of the price, it was a good bet to win the AL Central. So I jumped on board. And I also bet Joe Ryan as a long shot to win AL Cy Young at 101. So I am fully invested in the Minnesota Twins for better or worse this year. But looking at how you have the Twins price in the market, just in terms of the World Series, for instance, 30 to 1, which I believe is somewhere in the ballpark of 13th or 14th shortest odds overall or in that range. White Sox behind them, Guardians behind them as well. I think the White Sox are priced at circa at around 44 to 1. So long story short here, What's your perception of a team like Minnesota that's kind of in the back end-ish of the middle tier of the World Series futures market? And are you high on a team that used to be a fan of? Obviously, you work in a book, your fandom kind of dies off a little bit. Yeah, I try to follow every team in Major League Baseball pretty equally. Uh, But, you know, growing up, cheering for the team, watching a lot of games, uh, I have a little bit different perspective when it comes to the twins than any other team in the league, you know, if, if they're on TV and I have a choice of the twins broadcast or the opponents broadcast, I'm probably going to choose the twins broadcast every single time. Um, there's one of their beat writers, Aaron Gleeman, who people who follow baseball probably know who's know who that is. Um, I think he's a great writer. I think he's really sharp. And if you want to know, know the twins like really well, like read some of his um, articles in The Athletic, uh, listen to his podcast, like just he knows the twins inside and out. So that would be the best resource when it comes to them. Dan Hayes also covers the twins too for for The Athletic. He used to cover the White Sox in Chicago. So just in relation, familiar with him as well. Uh, Sorry, who was that? Dan Hayes, or maybe not. Maybe oh, okay. He's not a notable Twins writer for you. No, no, I have my list of like Twins beat writers, and he's on that list. I just didn't hear okay. you say the name. Fair um, enough. Yeah, no, I include him. Uh, he's a good resource for 
twins information. Um, but yeah, going back to like, you know, my opinion on the twins, it's, you know, I followed the team and, and their betting markets over the years and going into this year, especially after they were able to have Carlos Correa fall back into their lap, there's been a lot of like buzz, a lot of optimism surrounding the twins. And that's not just coming from twins fans. That's just coming from people who, you know, bet these futures markets, uh, like regular season wins and the division and, uh, maybe not as much world series and pennant, but I wouldn't blame anyone for staying away from those because twins right now have the longest playoff losing streak, like in any sport ever, uh, which is really hard to do in baseball because baseball is usually pretty competitive, but they have lost like 18 in a row in the playoffs, which is amazing. Uh, and <laughs> Minnesota historically has kind of been the home for losers when it comes to men's professional sports. Now the twins did win world series going back to 1991 and 1987. But outside of that, uh, there's been, Plenty of good teams, but they just don't win championships. This year's Twins team, you know, they're not as good as the Yankees or the Blue Jays or the Astros or probably even the Rays or the Mariners. But the way that the MLB playoffs are structured, if they get in, they've got a shot. Because it's just such a small sample of games in the playoffs to advance. And the best team's not always going to win. And if they've got their top four top five starting pitchers all healthy, they actually look like a pretty good, you know, playoff team as well, because that's depth, you know, winning a best of seven, you'd be happy to have any, any of those guys starting the first four games. And any of those guys are capable of dominating any lineup. Uh, Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, um, who are the other two? Uh, Pablo Lopez, who pitched today, and Tyler Molly. Like, I think all of those guys have... And he got hurt at the back end of last season, too. Yeah, they've dealt with their share of injuries, for sure, uh, last year in particular. But those guys all have a high ceiling. So if, you know, they're able to have everything kind of come together with those guys pitching up to their potential, and Byron Buxton can somehow miraculously stay healthy. You might need to play DH every single game. Maybe don't let him play <laughs> in that field ever. Uh, Carlos Correa, who obviously had things pop up on his physicals with the Giants and the Mets. You know, he's co-most important position player along with Byron Buxton. Uh, I think they do have the potential to, to win a World Series with this team. And I mean, it's baseball. So, you know, what happens middle of the summer any team that's in playoff contention, they're probably going to make some kind of move to improve their team. So, you know, you keep that in the back of your mind as well. Uh, so I'm not quite ready to put them on the same level as the Guardians. And part of that is just how the market has treated both teams, uh, just with the, the season wins and how they bet the odds to win the AL Central. But we could be talking two months from now and, and say, oh, the Twins are the best team in the AL Central. And that wouldn't surprise me. So not so much as a fan, as an objective analyst, I think there's there's a high ceiling for this team this year. The Twins have also got off to a hot start. And that was one thing we wanted to check in on was basically 
pretty hot before I guess dropping dropping a couple here straight to Miami. But how quickly do you change your opinion of teams uh, in, in in MLB? Because like you know you might see some things that make you wonder in week one, but like how quick does it become like actionable where you do start to change either a futures price or even just like game to game prices? So I'm doing my best to just like think about the odds that I'm offering for the World Series and pennants on a daily basis. So every game does matter to me. Uh, at the same time, I'm not trying to overreact. Like if a good team gets swept by a bad team, their second series of the year, I don't want to make some crazy move on their futures prices that are based on a 162-game season. So if anything, I probably have to exercise a little bit of restraint when it comes to making moves early on. And I've felt like over the years, May and June is like when you figure it out. And the opportunities typically arise where um, people that are managing these markets might not have like made the adjustments that they should have made. And those are the best times, I think, to bet a team to win their division or to win the World Series or their pennant, where you, you kind of feel like, okay, I've got the, the landscape of the league mostly figured out. And I think, you know, this is where this team fits in. What should their odds be, you know, given that assessment? Um, and so, like, look at the beginning of this year. The Rays have a very easy schedule to start out with. And as of this, you know, podcast recording, they're 6-0. and I think the Rays are really good. I think they can win the World Series, but they've played the Tigers and the Nationals so far. So that's not really telling us a ton. Um, so, like, you got to not be, like, analyzing the schedule so much, like, on a daily basis, because there are so many games, and there's so much, like, variance and randomness that we can't predict that's going to happen over the course of the year with injuries and trades and all that. Um, but yeah, for the beginning of April here, like I'm, I'm very vigilant, like stuff, like I said, stuff's going to happen and you got to react to it, but, uh, it's, it's more like a, a 40 game sample size. I think when you can feel real confident, the nationals to your point about betting a team in around June, Early July, the Nats from 2019 are a perfect example of that. I think they started 19 and 31, somewhere in that ballpark, and then go on to be, I think, as high as 40 to 1, 50 to 1 to win the World Series and then win it all that season. But last question for me, Chris, and maybe I'm going to hold off on a Twins future long term, just another team that I'm kind of curious about. And the pitching isn't there, but you still have them pretty. I assume power rated pretty high considering Cardinals are 18 to one at circuit to win the world series, even though they've gotten off to a bit of a slow start too. the antithesis of the Rays, in a sense, the pitching isn't there, but a team that could theoretically add around the deadline, at least one upper tier arm, assuming they're in contention to win the division, considering the NL central, just like the AL central is a pretty bad division unless the pirates are, somehow for real, but again, it goes back to the notion that it's still early. So is it team like St. Louis on your radar as a better, as a potential buy low, maybe at least to win the NL Central over the next couple months? Or is there another team that maybe sticks out based on the schedule, like you brought up 
opposite way of thinking with Tampa Bay? So the Cardinals, I think, as currently constructed, are very much a regular season team. Because you look at their starting pitching, and who would you line up in a playoff series right now if you're the Cardinals? Uh, there's, there's not three guys where you can say, yeah, I feel really good you know, about these guys like dominating in the playoffs. But I think they have a great lineup with a ton of potential. And it seems like this organization keeps churning out great hitting prospects. And they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done over the years. And we're seeing it now with Jordan Walker, who's probably the most heralded young new position player uh, this spring. And they, you know, they put him on the major league roster for opening day. And we'll see if he sticks. Uh, no guarantee that he's not going to struggle, at least at the beginning here. He's very young. But you got guys like Nolan Gorman and Lars Nootbaar. And, I mean, you got Arnado and Goldschmidt right in the middle of the lineup there. So tons of potential. And I think they're going to win plenty of regular season games just from that lineup putting up five, six runs on a regular basis. Um, and I think the pitching like will be adequate enough that they can win 90-plus games. And... I still think they're the best team in the division. The first handful of games uh, hasn't changed my opinion on that. And given an expectation of them being in contention for the playoffs uh, middle of the summer, I would think they're going to try to acquire some pitching help. So that's a team that um, can probably afford to get off to a bit of a slow start because I do think they have so much uh, quality with their lineup and depth um you know our odds on them to win the world series are like 18 to 1 right now part of that is you know them being favorite to win their division you know just looking at the competition there and, and where that could shake out for seeding in the playoffs and we've taken a little bit of money on them uh we're either a very small winner or a very small loser to them right now so i'm in no hurry to raise their odds to to something like 25 to 1 or higher uh, given all of those factors. But yeah, I, I think they're a very interesting team. And just yesterday, they had Steven Matz, who is just pretty ordinary as a starting pitcher. He was minus 135 against the Braves. And I think the Braves are the best team in baseball. So that tells you what the market thinks about this Cardinals team. Now, the Braves won that game 4-1, to one, but <laughs> still, like the closing prices are telling you, the market's telling you what they think. Like of given pitchers and given teams and how they, they match up. So uh, we'll see. Maybe, you know, we'll look back and say, well, that was a dumb number from the market. Uh, but right now, like, there's a lot of respect for this Cardinals team. And uh, I, I did think yesterday's number was too high, but I understand why the market likes them. That is Chris Bennett. You can follow him again on Twitter at BetChris, the director of risk management, and obviously, as you can hear, does a ton of work in the MLB betting department over at Circus Sports. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at BetChris. Follow the lines on Twitter at the Lines US. Chris, this may be a dumb question to wrap things up. Anything you want to promote over at Circus Sports? I know if anybody tweets Jeff Benson that they're at Circa, he'll tell them to go to the bar and get a free drink. But anything on your end that you would like to promote or... Uh, anything summer-wise that may be coming up at Circa when people go out 
to Vegas to bet on Major League Baseball in the coming months? Uh, one thing I'll say, and it ties into uh, my presence or lack thereof on Twitter, I typically don't tweet a lot because I don't want to spend my time arguing with people on Twitter. <laughs> That's what ends up happening. You tweet something and what kind of engagement do you get? You got somebody, you know, arguing with you or telling you that you're a moron. And I just don't want to spend my time and energy on that. But I'm using Twitter all the time. It's an extremely valuable tool for me as a bookmaker and a better to get important like news when it comes to sports. And I'm using Twitter for that. Uh, so I'm, I'm in a way very active on Twitter. And if people have, you know, certain markets they want to bet or like um, before we went on the, before we started recording here, we were talking about uh, baseball awards markets. And like we had gotten a request to offer Ryan Weathers, a pitcher for the San Diego Padres for the NL Cy Young. I listed the longest list of names, I think, in the world of players to win the NL Cy Young back when I put this up weeks ago. Uh, but I didn't list every single possible you know, player that might throw a pitch for a National League team this year. So there were guys like that that I didn't think were worth listing on my own. But if someone wants to bet on them, I'll make a number for you. And like I did that for Ryan Weathers and we got a bet and that's great. Like I love when that happens. So just because you look at a market like that, don't feel like that's the be all end all. Like you can reach out to me. You can reach out to, to Jeff Benson, our, our most prominent uh, sportsbook employee uh, <laughs> when it comes to, to Twitter and, and being in the spotlight. And, you know, we'll do everything we can to you know, go to, uh, to put that up for the customer and to, to give them that option to bet. And Mo's computer just died. So I think that is a perfect okay. way for this podcast to end for the third time, third and final or fourth or final time, whatever number it is. Follow Chris on Twitter and tweet Chris as well at bet. Chris, it's been a fun, great second edition of Beat the Closing Number, presented by TheLines.com. Talking MLB betting each and every Wednesday podcast up on Thursday on YouTube. And also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. So long, everybody.